we're going to create something for you. You know, and it started off very small and modest. We did it out the trunk of our car and filed the paperwork for an LLC and yeah. Liberation Station was born. Yeah. I mean, that was that was really it. There was no like business plan, like all the stuff that they tell you that you need to be successful. Like we had absolutely nothing yep. in place and it was what we needed. I think it was what our community needed and it grew and it is growing and has grown. <laughs> and I think fortitude also translates to with our DNA. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm housing the, really the dreams of, of our ancestors. Yeah. And I think that that is what um, creates a true legacy. Your, your children are actually looking for you to teach them. And in turn, they end up raising you. Way down deep inside of me And it breaks my heart hey. And it breaks my heart Yeah Get paid a pretty penny for my thoughts I'm hard away with grandma Back with another episode of Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey Podcast. Um, today, I've got Victoria Scott Miller. I, I met her by chance, but have been following her story for quite some time. Um, what The week after Father's Day, I think it was, we went up to the roof at the Durham Hotel, and she had a uh, story time for, for children there that she hosts, what, monthly, is it? Yeah, it's Mon- monthly. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, we, um, being that we just had Avery, it was our first family outing with him. And we wanted to take him somewhere that was um, going to be family fun, um, but also culturally enriching for us as parents. And um, so, Victoria is a Raleigh-based author and owner of the trailblazing, independent, globally recognized Liberation Station bookstore, specializing in ch- children's literature. Uh, the store has been spotlighted in numerous media outlets, including the Washington Post, Good Morning America, uh, CNN. As an innovator, uh, liberation strategist, and literacy advocate, Victoria believes in the power of community and creates initiatives that promote legacy building, generational safekeeping, and historical guardianship for marginalized voices. Um, of course, I stole all that off of the internet. Um, <laughs> beautiful, beautiful thing that we have. Thank you. Um, but, you know, just to, to keep it but like tell people who you are yeah um outside of just the that right the professional stuff <laughs> um i i am um an, an innovator i am a woman i am a creator um i gravitate towards those who are often overlooked i am a mother of two beautiful um, black princes, you know, young kings, <laughs> and also um, a wife, you know, to my best friend. And I love to um, roller skate and cook, you know, when I'm not out being who I am and who society sees me to be. So I'm glad to be here, though. Cool, cool. Well, um, as always, I'm going to kick it off with the drinks. This is this is the narratives of a wine and whiskey podcast. Um, being that I, you know, looked you up online and saw that you were originally from uh, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Which part of Tennessee? Memphis. Memphis. Okay. Yes. Good stuff. I'm a, a Yo Gotti fan. Absolutely. And, uh, Black Youngston, all, all of them. So <laughs> that's what's up. Uh, my I have family out in Nashville. Um, 
my dad has brothers and sisters out there, and I never went until after my father passed. Yeah. But we uh, we got to visit my wife and I, and we we loved it. We thought about moving there. We were like, yo, Tennessee. No, no, to Nashville. To Nashville. Okay. Yeah, we we had we had a good time, good food, good people, oh, yeah. um, and the family just you know showed love, even though we didn't have a relationship really before. Mm-hmm. Like, just good people in Tennessee. So, so being yeah. that you're from Tennessee, yes, I brought uh, some Uncle Nearest 1884. Now, um, you know, we just talked about it, and you know, you don't know Uncle Nearest. I didn't know who Uncle Nearest was for a while. Either. I, mean, I haven't heard of it. So, yeah. you're familiar with Jack Daniels? Yes, for sure. Everybody knows Jack Daniels, most well-known name in American whiskey across the world. Mm-hmm. Jack Daniels was taught how to make whiskey by a. Um, a formerly enslaved man. His name was Nearest Green. Mm. Um, and Nearest, they have uh, brought a, a brand up and it's based on, you know, his teachings of Jack Daniels. And it's better than Jack Daniels to me. I mean, to, I'm to most people. I'm excited about that. Um, so it, it, I said, you know, let me bring some, some Tennessee whiskey that's not Jack um, to, the, to the show. I'm excited about it. And so we've got our uh, portions just right glasses here. (laughs) I've got my man cave or man down glass. Yes. And I brought the, uh, which one did you? I have the whiskey and frisky. Yeah, so you know, you got to know where to pour. (laughs) Thank you. No problem. Um, But yeah, so I mean, I'm always trying to intentionally support black businesses and black businesses that do black business right or do business right. And Uncle Nearest definitely... uh, has a, a great product. Um, I keep a bottle at the house. There's there's another there are another couple black owned um, bourbon distilleries, but this one has gotten a lot of publicity mm. over the past few years because essentially, you know, it's the story of, of America. Yeah. You know, a lot of black people do the work, and then they get um, forgotten about for a long a lot of time. So, hope you enjoy. Cheers. I'm excited. Cheers. Thank you. And real quickly, I want to shout out ReCity Network. We are recording in ReCity um, on location, so this is fun. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, that's a... Wow. That's a good whiskey. Oh, that's, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> so there are um, two versions you can find in North Carolina, and then you have to go to Tennessee mm-hmm. to get their third bottle. Wow. Yeah. We're going to we're gonna have to talk about where you got that from there you go. after this. That's amazing. Um, so... Since you uh, you own a children's bookstore and you're an author in your own right, yeah, um, what was your journey into falling in love with with literature? Mm. Um, so, my mother um, was a single parent, and my father was a historical photographer who would mm. go and take photographs of just the simplicity of Black life. Yeah. So, we would literally see like clothes hangers and you know folks washing their you know clothes and just eating food around a dinner table those are the pictures that kind of normalized and humanized our stories and so my mother being that she was a single parent of two she kind of created our our libraries to operate as a surrogate um family you know in a way so we grew up with Nikki Giovanni and Virginia Hamilton and um Alice Walker and Maya Angelou and those were the stories that kind of brought us up you know cotton candy on a rainy day and um, the people who could fly Mm. those were our stories Mufaro's beautiful daughters like that that was our the permanent fixture in our home and it made me 
early on believed that I could I could be anything. Like people say that and it's kind of cliche often, but I really felt unlimited. I felt I didn't feel like I was going to grow up being boxed in and my dreams weren't off limits and so I think that that was the first time that I fell in love with literature would would have to be like second grade. And I started writing poetry in third. So yeah. It was dope. So um similar story about a woman who made me fall in love with literature mm-hmm. um my godmother and my dad's uh my great aunt as well yeah. she is uh or is a retired librarian and so every year you know she would send me birthday cards with a little bit of money in it but there would always be a book with it yeah and um that is that's been transformative for me because i still actually have the first book that i read by myself which she gave me mm-hmm. which was um the giving tree Mm-hmm. And so then for our um, maternity shoot, we actually shot at the museum um, in Raleigh. Oh, wow. Okay. And so I had the book out there. I had the same, I still have the same copy. Wow. And there's a line in it. It said, and the little boy grew. Mm-hmm. And so uh, our photographer got a shot of us holding the book, looking at that, that page. Wow. Um, but yeah, there is so much imagination in children's mm-hmm. literature and to be robbed of that yeah. is almost a crime. I think when, when you know you don't encourage your children to read and yeah, to learn and sure. to explore more than they would otherwise. Yeah. So that's that's sure. dope. That's amazing. Um, and also, my so your father being a photographer. Yes. That's uh, that's another one of my hustles. So yeah, I, I shoot, and that that's pretty that's pretty cool. Just how you know art. It, it really keeps, I think, our community going. Like, you know, you have the sciences, mm-hmm. you have the business, and that's all well and good, but sometimes you gotta step out and say, yeah, you know what, I wanna, I want to fly in my head. Absolutely, our creativity is unmatched. Yeah. You know, we, we, we know how to dream, I think, in a way that I haven't seen other people yeah. understand, you know? Um, so it's, it's beautiful to see us just be everything. I think we've had to, especially um, those of us who were, were stolen, whose families were stolen from Africa. Absolutely. You had to think yourself and dream yourself out of a, mm. a depressive state. Yeah. And so you had to say, you know what? More is possible. Mm. Something better is going to happen. If it doesn't happen for me, it's going to happen for my child. Right. And um, I think that's what that's what makes us so beautifully mm-hmm. unique across the world. Yeah. And I think fortitude also translates to with our DNA. Like mm-hmm. I'm, I'm housing the really the dreams of of our ancestors and my children that I gave birth to and carried in my womb are also holding onto my dreams and so I think they have a beautiful way of showing up in our lineage and I think that that is what um, creates a true legacy is is that part so yeah so what writers or other artists inspire you to create Mm. um Wow. So when I was younger, I, I would have to say, so the story, I always talk about Nikki Giovanni because mm-hmm. she was just a revolutionary and is a revolutionary for me. And she was someone that um, carried me, I think, through my childhood. I mean, literally, like, felt like she her words would wrap their arms around me and comfort me. And it wasn't until I turned 18, I, I had a choice between going to college to become a teacher and ultimately I I really wanted to just travel the world and write poetry and so I remember reaching out to her when she was at Virginia Tech handwriting a letter and she wrote back to me and she told me that I had everything that I needed in me to thrive and that my voice reminded me of her 
when she was younger. And I carry this letter with me kind of everywhere I go because she set the tone for me. Um, I always talk about how she, you know, there are, there are elders in our lives that make us like change our posture. Yeah. And I think that's what she did for me. She made me realize that I need to continue to look up. I need to sit up straight. I need to believe in my craft and own it. And so she really helped me to take ownership of myself and my gifts. And so that that has really forced me to to do the work yeah. and unapologetically. So you ended up, did you go traveling? I didn't go traveling. I went to college. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I went to college and um, became, well, I traveled in, in an indirect way. So my husband, we met in college. We actually met at a spoken word night. We were reciting poetry and, you know, we dated and six months later he shows up at my door and is like, hey, let's get married. And I'm about to go to a music appreciation class in college. And I'm like, sure. You know? That's <laughs> so, so we got married and went to Starbucks and celebrated and we were broke as hell and we had five dollar Little Caesars pizza. And um, and then he joined the military as a that's one of the first nuclear submariners in um, in his program. And we traveled that way okay you know so it's still i still ended up traveling but um i I actually enjoyed the route that we that we took but yeah traveled and wrote yeah because you know i think the routes that we take are always what bring us to where we are absolutely Um, i um so we did two months overseas three years ago Mm -hmm. uh, desiree and i and so we ended up you know I, i quit my job I didn't know, you know, I knew I had entrepreneurial spirit, but I was like, yo, all right, we just gonna do this, we're gonna fly. And that experience, while it um, it challenged us, mm-hmm. uh, it also brought us to where we are today. Like, you know, it, um, it it set us up with so many more opportunities. Yeah. It um, forced us to figure it out, forced us to lean on one another sometimes. I had to put my pride aside to the second for, to the side for a second mm-hmm. and say, you know what, I've got a good woman who we're gonna we're gonna do this together, and I don't always have. It's not always about who makes the most money. Absolutely, um, it's not, about yeah. who's supporting one another and like who's being supportive, mm-hmm. um, not not just supporting. So I mean, it was it was uh, eye opening. So yeah, traveling, I tell people you know books and seeing different parts of the world. Yes, um, not only the country, but I really I really believe that we're often seen as not. Um, a well-traveled people mm-hmm. like, no, we, we can change that you know let's Absolutely. let's let's show that you know we're supposed to be in every part of the world because we're represented in every part of the exactly. world absolutely yeah, so. yeah what's your favorite place you've been to um honestly so domestic and international Ooh. okay so now this is interesting so my favorite place i would have to say thus far is probably New Orleans. Oh, yes. You know, it just got a thing to it that just, I mean, it's it's everything. It's, my soul feels like it's home when I'm there. Um, I would have to say New Orleans, and then when I was pregnant with our youngest son, Emerson, I did kind of a round-the-world trip Mm -hmm. type thing because I wanted to, you know, I was about to give birth, and I wanted to be able to travel. And so I literally went from, I took our oldest son trick-or-treating at, um, thank you, in Orlando. And then from there we went to Seattle, went to Hawaii, um, ended up going to Australia and then Japan. Um, and I think that trip was kind of just a beautiful um, 
mirror, I think, to my strength um, as a woman and as a mother, because I know oftentimes mothers feel like they have to stop what they're doing, you know, when they begin to have children. But the best advice that um, that I was given was from a pediatrician. Um, and she said, you know, if you enjoy the air at 68, leave it at 68 and allow the child to adjust to your temperature, mm. you know, because they're coming into your life, oh, wow. not the other way around. And That's so good. sometimes when we make accommodations, we end up losing parts of ourselves. And so that was me keeping the thermometer where it is and allowing myself to show them who we are, show them like who we are as their parents and, you know, and they'll get used to it. You know, they're, they're able to do that as long as they're loved and cared for, they'll respect it. I'm taking some of this as uh, some knowledge for myself and wisdom. So. Oh, real time, <laughs> like, you know, actually take the time to, your, your children are actually looking for you to teach them. And in turn, they end up raising you. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, you know. In in what three months and <laughs> like three weeks, I've learned so much from Avery. Yeah. Um, and just understanding myself more, understanding you know how we like to be loved, and, and the fact that we do need that human connection. Absolutely. And when when he doesn't feel a connection because he he needs to see to feel it. Mm-hmm. Um, then he feels lonely. He feels like something is missing, and yeah. he, he'll cry out. And I'm like, wow, this is why people who don't have that human connection, they they do things that just don't, that they're, they're not natural. Yeah. Because, you know, you need that. And yeah. You see that at the most primal level with an with infant. Absolutely. I mean, touch is important. Mm-hmm. Love is important. You know, and I think those are all necessities. Yeah. Really. You know, a lot of people are like, breathing and a roof over your head is enough, but it's so much more than that. I mean, we learn so much through nonverbal communication. And so, um, yeah, like babies will teach you everything you need to know. And I and I always say too that like raising them is, is the difficult part of raising them is understanding that we are I look at parenthood and motherhood as like this travel case, this piece of luggage and you're just pouring and pouring and pouring and pouring for a trip that you're not going on, mm-hmm. you know? But the goal is that they take everything that you've given yeah. uh, with them, you know? Um, yeah, and prosper. Literally, we want them to prosper. Yes. So. That's good. Yeah. So, where did the idea for Liberation Station Bookstore come from? Ooh. Um, there was kind of a lot of stuff happening, yeah. at, like, all at once. Um, so, I was transitioning into working. My husband was coming back from the military. He had... Um, left the military after you know committing to seven years and we were like we have kids now we can't (laughs) do this Um, and so I hadn't worked in like seven years you know my career is actually just getting started and it's like two years old right now but um, but we we had decided that like we were going to pour whatever we had at that moment into our children's dreams because our oldest Langston he was like mom I want to write books you know and I was like really and he had drawn this like map of the future and it was a road map you know he wanted a library over here he wanted a cafe over here he wanted this and this and that and in the midst of it he wanted his books to be available at all of these places and I'm like 
well, what is this? And he said, I think it's a bookstore. And I'm like, okay, um, let's go see. Let's go go to an actual bookstore and see if we are able to find the kind of books that you want to read and the kind of books that you want to write. And we went to a chain bookstore and didn't really see anything. It literally took us like real talk, like maybe three or four hours to go on a scavenger hunt to find something that was positive and empowering and readily available that we didn't have to search for. And we were like, babe, you know, if we put your book in here, we're not going to find it. So we're going to create something for you, you know? And it started off very small and modest. We were just like purchasing a few books, you know? Um, At the time it was like off Amazon. We purchased all the books that we grew up with and all the books that were in our children's libraries. And we're like, okay, cool. You could put your books among this space. Did it out the trunk of our car and filed the paperwork for an LLC and Liberation Station was born. I mean, that was that was really it. And it's so wild because I think there was no like business plan, like all the stuff that they tell you that you need to be successful. Like we had absolutely nothing in place and it was what we needed. I think it was what our community needed and it grew and it is growing and has grown. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it's, it's been amazing to watch. I often feel like I'm looking at it outside of my own body, watching it grow. And that part keeps me really humble. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's dope. Yeah. Kids are, kids will motivate you and inspire you to do more than you ever thought you could or would Mm -hmm. do. Absolutely. They really will. So did you always see yourself like being an entrepreneur or do you like, always have an entrepreneurial spirit or did mm. it just like the spirit came upon you and I mean honestly I don't know if I had the entrepreneurial spirit I didn't enjoy working for anyone <laughs> So I think I think that's what it was it's like before um I I had um did this I was a panelist on this um on I was sitting on a panel and they were like, tell us something about yourself, you know, two truths and a lie or whatever. And I was like, I did this, I did that, and I've had 26 jobs before I turned, you know, 21. And they were like, that's impossible. But it was actually true. You know, I literally realized that like, I cannot work for anyone. And it's not because I don't, I can't take direction and I can't take guidance. It's just that I feel that my creativity is too big to be compartmentalized, you know? And honestly, I part of creativity is sometimes not having order, you know? And sometimes it's chaotic and it's unpredictable. And so I needed the room to be able to do that. And I didn't realize that, that I felt like I could be an entrepreneur until I turned like 32, you know? And I'm 35 now, so it, just happened yeah. for me <laughs> to kind of figure it out but yeah um so i'm gonna kind of sh- uh switch gears a little bit mm-hmm. so like the last for us half a millennium has been tumultuous for like people across the african diaspora mm-hmm. right but america is just catching on yeah. in the past like since last summer they're like oh wow we've, we've mm-hmm. done some messed up stuff um you know, unfortunately, due to the murders of like George Floyd, Floyd, Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, like, they yeah. really said, "Oh, we, we need to pay attention to the way we're treating Black people." Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, uh, like we've been telling all that. 
Um, so what do you see, what role do you see more inclusive children's literature playing and moving the needle forward, not only in the self-esteem of black children, mm-hmm. but also in like race relations in America? Well, I think um, the meter changes when children and adults of color learn their power, mm-hmm. you know, because we have to realize that at this moment, if someone were to ask what we want, you know, if everything was on the table and said, what do you want? You know, knowing that, knowing the answer to that question, as simple as it may seem, is really important, you know? And part of that, part of the structure of developing an expectation comes through the understanding of your own personal power. And so until we, as a people, I think, understand what that personal power looks like, what it feels like, and we're able to live in it confidently, then we can sit across the table from someone and let them know of our expectation. We can let them know of our desire and we'll understand, like, what do we want the table to look like? You know, and part of that, part of, I think, particularly, which is why we only carry children's literature, is because that's where it starts. It starts with um, ensuring that children can retain their imagination, you know, that they can retain their dreams, because children have beautiful imaginations at this age. I mean, the things that our five-year-old does and what he draws and the things that our oldest son talks about, like, those are the things that we have to keep intact. And so um, I think race relations improves when we develop an expectation for our own power and how we want that to be directed. I heard something interesting recently that's very true. Somebody said that if within one generation mm-hmm. we could wipe out racism, mm-hmm. sexism, homophobia, all of these hateful things mm-hmm. if the elder generation would just stop teaching that hate. Yeah. And I think that that's where these books come in is they, te- they, they teach love, they teach love for self, yeah. they teach respect for self, they teach love for others, they, they teach more than or they teach you that you're never less than, yeah. and no one else is less than either. For sure, for sure. There's a, um, an African proverb, and I'm paraphrasing, but it basically says, you know, until the lion learns to become the writer, then the hunter will always be glorified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and that is so incredibly true. Yeah. Like, but how do we teach that? You know, some someone said, um, you know, you are a narrative uh, you are really upholding the narratives you know and it's like that's one component but also protecting it protecting the narrative is the other component of this work you know ensuring that um, that we are able to show up and that our people are able to show up when we're in spaces that are considered privileged Mm -hmm. that you know if I'm opening up a pop-up in the museum Y'all need to be buying me out. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's the only way that they understand that we are important and that this is important. You know, um, value increases when we say so. Yeah. Yeah. Point blank. You know, so say so. Yeah. Make it make it so. I just told my frat brother who walked in here, Kevin. Yeah. I told him, I was like, yo, you got to go to this store. store. He has a seven-year-old. Mm. Um, I was like, yo, y'all got to go. Yeah. Um, he's like, Sindarm. I was like, no, nah, it's in Raleigh. He's like, oh, I'm there. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that's what we have to do. Just like that. Yeah. And my, show up. My homegirl yesterday put up a picture of her son at, at Barnes & Noble. I'm glad that he's reading. Yeah. I was like, yo, Barnes & Noble is good. Come on. You're in Durham every week and she's from Winston. Mm-hmm. Or you're in Durham every week and visiting your sister. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. That's that's our responsibility, I think, as a community. And, mm-hmm. and you know, or order online. Like, like, let's keep 
this money circulating because right. it used to circulate in our communities. It did. And we've got to get back to, to yeah. that circulation. You know, it's it's interesting because like when, you know, George Floyd was killed and Breonna Taylor was murdered, it's like everybody wanted books, mm-hmm. you know, and it was it was so overwhelming, yeah. I think, for us as booksellers. But the numbers are what bothered me. The fact that we have almost 2,000 independent bookstores in this country mm-hmm. and only 126 are Black-owned. 126. That says a lot. Yeah. That says so much. Yeah. And even to be in that number, as as much of an honor as it is, I feel like it should. we should be dominating this industry yeah. with our work. And so that's why... You know, I put it out into the atmosphere that, you know, I wanted to start my writing career because I knew that, like, there aren't enough stories about us. There aren't. So we're responsible. We're responsible for writing it. So told you I grew up in Durham. Yeah. Um, did you know that there used to be a black owned bookstore by Central? I didn't. There used to be. Yeah, when I when I was growing up, there was a store and I left for college and mm. went to Charlotte for five years after that so 10 years away yeah came back and it, it shut gone. down exactly and, and that's why it's just so important that we so this is this is my my issue right yeah if we can spend our money with our people and the cost is nearly the same if anything you might spend an extra dollar right. you'll spend that extra dollar on the the beer you get i'll spend an extra dollar on this whiskey but right. let's make sure that we're spending it yeah in a way that will keep that money rolling through our communities, um, mm. b- because yeah, you know some other some other places may be able to buy in bulk. Yeah, but tag on it, we're we're investing in something bigger. Infrastructure, yeah, yeah. you know, territory yeah. is what we're doing, and it's and even thinking about the story you just said, it's like that shouldn't have happened, Mm-mm. you know. And it, it, black-owned bookstores are really sacred, yeah. and you know, until I think. Um, we understand their value, you know, because even ninety about ninety percent of my clientele is white. Yeah. A lot of people don't understand that, and I think it's beautiful, you know, because they're you know it's it's an anti race anti uh, racism experience mm-hmm. that's happening when they purchase books and really try to teach their children about um, respecting and honoring Black life. Yeah. But we also should be uplifting our children in a way that makes their confidence impenetrable because they are going into these public school spaces where their genius is often overlooked, where their talents are often overlooked, you know, and that's how you fortify them is by teaching them about the narratives that bring joy, you know. Even when we came for the the story time, you know, there were 10 or 12 families there. Mm -hmm. There were... And so, you know, we uh, we have to continue to mm-hmm. support one another. I mean, even in events like that. Yeah. Um, where, yeah, you might not be getting, you know, I don't know if, they, if they're paying for that, but that's a space where we need to be having our people, mm-hmm. having our kids, reinforcing this positive, positive self-imagery yeah. mm-hmm. that, we, that we have to have. That's real. So, what advice do you have for a young person who wants to be a writer? Ooh. And this is to Langston, too, so mm-hmm. go for it. Yes. Um, you know, I would say, I think the advice I would give is find your own rhythm and stay on beat. Mm. Simple but beautiful. That's like it. That, there you go. Find your own rhythm, stay on beat. For sure. 
What's next for you, Liberation Station Bookstore, the family? Like, what, what, what's going on? Oh, my gosh. Um, so, currently, I'm on a creative sabbatical, okay. um, personally, because I was offered a job to relocate to California for a major network, which I'll say after. Um, <laughs> but a major network, and it's a four-year contract, and they want me to come out and help with their children's content division. So we're contemplating that as a family. Um, I am writing a children's book for the North Carolina Museum of Art, and it comes out in October. It's about the People's Collection. Um, I had the opportunity to manage the project, um, and so I was able to choose my own illustrator. And so everyone that I brought on board is a black man mm-hmm. and um, I'm really excited about that um, I was also just signed with uh, a literary agency based in New York and so my son and I are actually publishing our first book um, that comes out next year as well so it's it's gonna be a busy 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 I'm buying um, an autographed copy yeah please yes <laughs> <laughs> please um, this is this is all new territory yeah. and I yeah I'm often like pinching myself yeah. but I'm I'm so forever grateful it just means that the work is is in alignment with what's needed right now yes so I hope it continues that, that's what's up um, I love California I love New York I'm actually yes. I don't know I told you I'm going to New York uh, next mm-hmm. week oh wow um, so yeah um, so it'll, it'll be it'll be fun get to see I'm a big Dipset fan um, Dipset Y'all going to concert? Versus, yeah so it's just me oh, I, wow. get, I get 15 hours I'm headed up there. I'm gonna see my brother. We're gonna hang out That's for a while, amazing. but I'm gonna I'm gonna get to to see you know huge Dipset fan, big Locks fan as well. Yeah. But uh, you know, I've seen Dipset before. I've never seen the Locks, and I'm like, yo, let's 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 have some fun because I haven't I haven't been out since really really been out since yeah. COVID started. So I just mm-hmm. I usually go to the city once a, a quarter. So That's yeah, dope. let's do this. Um, how can people keep up with you online? Um, yeah, so they can follow us on Instagram at Liberation Station Bookstore, on Facebook at Liberation Station Bookstore, Twitter is Lib Station Books, um, and of course online, visit us online, um, and we're constantly like updating, you know, our partnerships and things that are happening with us, so just look out, I mean, there's always something happening with us, so we're here for it all of this all of this will be in the um, episode notes so y'all can just click on the notes and you'll have all of those links easy follow you don't have to do too much but make sure you go ahead and follow um, so one last question yes if you that's my name Dwayne right yes yes if you Dwayne the boys are stranded on a desert island yeah with everything you needed mm-hmm. um, what bottle of wine or whiskey are you choosing to have a lifetime supply of ooh yeah, that, that's, that's, the, so that's the curveball. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. So, strategically, mm-hmm. I would choose something that I could cook with as well. Ooh. Right? There you go. So, I do a lot. Of, I would like to infuse some things. So, I would say, I don't, I, I would say a miscall. Mm, yes. There you go. Because of its smokiness. Yep. Um, you know, so we can take, we can, you know, uplift the fish yeah. on the island and then we can maybe like put some coconut water in it to have like a little drink situation. I just got into that. Right. So yes. I've only been dealing with straight whiskeys mm. and, um, 
was like, yo, let me try some some other spirits. And the that smokiness. I mean. My, my homegirl, who's a bartender, she has a black-owned um, yeah. bartending brand called uh, The Crafted Soul. Mm, and she okay. said, yeah, I know you would I knew you would like this because bourbon, you know, you have that, that smokiness. And she said, yeah. that's a nice, it's if you want to like move over toward agave but don't want to go all the way to Yes, Kila, yes. Stop there. And so. it tastes really good with grilled pineapple. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm a griller to the heart. Yes. So, I'm, well, so, so we're going to, you're on our list because every year we give like these little I make like a homemade um, cake or do something and I hand deliver it to all my people and so we normally give in this packet some rum soaked raisins that we soak for a year mm. and a good bread pudding recipe and you just throw the whole and it's vegan yeah. actually because I'm, I'm realizing some things about veganism that's yeah. a whole other conversation but the rum soaked raisins you can put in anything and then you can put like you know the syrup of the raisins on like some oat milk um ice cream and it's like fire so see we, um, yeah. we gotta have it over for cookout because desiree is uh <laughs> she's been vegan for what we married for five one six years so she's been vegan for four yeah um just for health reasons she uh both saw a parent go early so our corresponding parent she lost her mother lost my father mm-hmm. and she said if i can eat better yeah. to offset mm-hmm. this then I'm going to, and I haven't fully transitioned over, but yeah. I will. I will tear up some some jackfruit barbecue. Listen, um, there, there are a lot of ways that you can make veganism really, really. It's fun. actually really good. Yeah. It's actually really good. That's what happened with my husband and I. Like my father passed away in 2018, and my husband's father passed away actually on our anniversary this year in oh, April. Man, and so, but it was all like health related, mm-hmm. and it was just man. I just think about like the examples we're setting for the kids and and everything like our body truly is a temple but it's also a healing agent and so learning learning that i think we're on the road to transitioning but it's definitely a work in progress all the unlearning you have to do so and i mean my my biggest thing is now i'm at a space where i say everything in moderation Mm -hmm. um as I move, you know, more away from red meats and yeah. things like that, I say, okay, yeah, if once a month I want to have a burger, okay, but you shouldn't be eating McDonald's every day, right? Accurate. You know, Burger King <laughs> should not be in every corner in the hood, Accurate. but you never see it in the suburbs. Like, yeah. let's let's yeah. really think about this uh, systemic mm-hmm. side of the racism. Like, the system is mm-hmm. yeah is big. So. That's real. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for having this me. Fun. This is wonderful. And this Uncle Nearest is like five bomb. Well, you know what? It's yours. What? I'm going to buy another bottle anyway, so they're going to get Thank their money you. one way or another. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, I appreciate take it. That home. This is, I mean, this is pretty phenomenal, though. Toss it in your trunk so you don't get pulled. Oh, absolutely. I, listen, I'm already <laughs> on it. I was Look, like, <laughs> I always tell people, man, I. I gotta be safe but yeah yeah, yeah enjoy it i hope Thank y'all you. make some make, make some good cocktails actually yes. if you check out mom girl alex mm-hmm. at the crafted store i'll send you her profile please yeah she um makes some amazing drinks with uncle nearest okay um, she she is really trying to uh develop her brand out and so she's been you know entering into uncle nearest contests for this that and the other so she's she's on it i love it i love it i'm excited this is one of one of the very few uh, drinks that I can take neat because this, I mean, but this is this is pretty good. Yeah. Like it's very smooth. Yeah, yeah, it is. So thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't give every guest uh, a bottle, so y'all don't be asking me for this just because you come on a podcast. <laughs> Does not mean you're gonna come in with a bottle. Um, but I gotta keep this money circulating with Uncle Nearest. So appreciate it. Thank you. Happening. Thank you. This was wonderful. Yeah, thank you. Thanks. This was fun. Mm-hmm.
The Narratives Over Wine and Whiskey podcast is a subsidiary of Daniels Development and Branding, LLC. Here for all of your fundraising strategy and creative storytelling needs. Connect with us online at dollarsandstories.com.